This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. We hope your week is off to a great start. Today, we're going to be talking about past lives. Could an issue from a prior life block your progress in your current life? And could recalling a traumatic event from a past life release this block through regression? Is the past even in the past? To help us get to the heart of some of these questions, we have Simon Bound, who's the host of the Past Lives podcast, joining us. Simon is certified in both clinical hypnotherapy and past life regression therapy. He's conducted hundreds of regressions in his private practice and is here today to share his insights into how remembering our past lives can help us heal today. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hi there. Thanks a lot for inviting me on. Oh, we're excited. All right. I want to start off with a little like scenario. Okay. Pretend you're on a date. It's a first date and you really have enjoyed meeting this person. And you know how it is. You kind of want to impress them. Like, look at me. I'm I'm pretty cool. Let's try this again. And then your date says, so you're a past life regressionist. I don't really believe in past lives. What story would you tell them to help convince them that past lives are real? I'd probably talk about Jenny Cockle, who was a uh, woman living in the north of England who had memories of past life in Ireland. And she was an adult and she's not like she remembered it when she was a child because children with past life memories, they tend to fade away when they get to seven or eight years old. But she was um, in her 30s, and these memories were so strong and detailed. She went to Ireland eventually, and she knew exactly where to go. She said she could look on a map, and she knew it was just north of Dublin, and this town called Malahide. And she went there, and she was walking down the high street, and she said it was like, you know, if, if you're 40 years old and you go back to your first school and you haven't been there for decades, but you recognize it all and you, you kind of feel at home in a way. And she said it was just like that. It was just like returning to some place she hadn't been for decades. And she eventually tracked down the little cottage that she'd lived in in the 1930s, where she had five children and she was married. And she remembered all about the husband who was a drunk and violent and she eventually tracked down the children and she knew so much stuff about their lives. And, you know, this was 
1930s. It's not like she could have faked it and looked it all up on Facebook or something. And she had these stories that she'd say to them like, do you remember that time you were in the back garden and you were seven years old and you found a frog and you started playing with it and then the frog died and the children would be, this is crazy. How could you possibly know this? How, how? And she said, I remember all these things. And she described their lives with the father and the children and their names. And they eventually accepted her as their reincarnated mother. There's other stories with her as well. She remembered her past life in Japan. And a Japanese TV crew flew her out there and did a documentary about her because she had so much information about this family. That's amazing. Can you? How old were the children when she met them? Like, were they in their forties, fifties? I think they're in the sixties or seventies. Oh wow! I did interview her on my podcast, and uh, she's got a book called Yesterday's Children that's just fascinating. Tells the whole story. Do you have any stories that you've uncovered in your work where you were like, wow, okay, this convinces even me? Not that you need convincing. <laughs> it's just things like that. It's that I've been taken back in time in many past life regressions, and I've seen things back then that then I've come across in this life, things I couldn't possibly know. I was taken back to a past life, and I was a small child in this park, and the park was on a very steep slope and it was a weird park. It's, you know, town planners would never choose that place for a park. And it was a couple of years later, I went to a point in North London that I'd never been to before. And there was the park exactly as I'd seen it in the past life regression. And the houses around that area were exactly the houses I'd seen. So, you know, that, that for me is a, a little confirmation. It's not like I had a a full name and dates and times and an address and I could get the paperwork and prove it. But when you experience it yourself, there's a there's a feeling to it, another worldly feeling and a, almost a little bit of a shock. And you're kind of dumbstruck and you're like, I, this is it. This is exactly the place. It's not vaguely familiar. It's It's perfect. You know, you see it and that is it. That's the key is it's the feeling. You just, you know it when you experience it yourself. Yeah. And I get that in other past life regressions, things that have come up and they can be very powerful and give you unexpected perspectives of, as well on all parts of life. I think a huge part of this work, at least in the, the bit that I've done with it, is people being open-minded enough to be brought to where they most need to go not where they may expect to go, because sometimes people will be conditioned, well, oh, I've always loved ancient Rome. I must have been a Roman. I must have been this. And instead of letting spirit guide the way to where it's going to help them heal where they are now in this lifetime. Do you find that a lot in your work, that the regressions are a form of healing for issues that people are working through in their present day life? Yeah. And that that's part of the hypnotic language when we're doing the hypnotic induction, we can, what I do is I send out a request into the universe. That's how I describe it. And I say, we ask your spirit guides to come and assist us with this. And we can ask them to take us to the most beneficial life for them to view right now. We might say, take us to the life that is the origin point of your current life's issues. And so you, you kind of target it. And also during the regression, you know, these past life scenes, they come 
to a natural end in a way. And you think, okay, we've seen what we need to see here. Let's move on now. And one mm. of the things I might say is, right, I'll count you down from five to zero. When we get to zero, you're going to move to a significant event in that life, an event that is the cause of your current life's issues. And then I, I do the countdown and we, we jump somewhere. Occasionally when I do that, they jump to a whole other life. But I find that can be really useful, that little countdown. All right. I have a question for both of you. What is it about just remembering this past life that helps us heal? And I don't even mean just physically, but emotionally too. I had a, a family member through marriage and we just butt heads all the time. And it wasn't like me. And I don't think it was like this person at all either. And then I had a dream where I remembered a past life we shared. And I don't know, we just never butted heads again. What is it about just remembering a past life that helps us heal? Well, from my point of view, I, I don't know what Denise will say, but part of this healing is that I've got no idea how it works. Other things I can <laughs> see, you, you can uh, go through different processes of re releasing negative energy or cutting the bonds to the past life, or you, you can describe for the client, you ask them to imagine that they're filled with this golden healing light and that they can see these dark patches within their body and you say you can now reach in and take out these dark patches and throw them in the trash and just reach inside yourself and as you're taking this stuff out this golden energy is replacing those dark patches so you become this golden being of light and you know you use all this language and that's kind of healing and it works but there's another point part of it that i think I don't know how this is helping. It's just visualization of stuff, but it does work and, and it can be really powerful. I agree with you a hundred percent, 100% because there is, and I'm very practical and, and grounded as far as I don't think we'll really know until we leave this physical shell, what the, the depth of all of this. But my aside on that is that if we come to earth to learn life lessons and we keep coming back until we get something right, are we pulling that root out a little bit in another life that we've carried over and over and over? And what comes to mind is I, I did a, a regression a while back and the, the woman who I was working with at one point, she in the regression, she said, oh, I get it now. I've been doing this over and over and over. And she got back in touch with me about a month after we had met. And she said, Denise, it just, it changed me. And I think that seems to be a prevalent theme for a lot of folks is it opens up a door for them to explore a deeper part of who they really are. Yeah. And I had a, a client who went back to a past life and they recognized their current mother-in-law as somebody in that past life that they were always arguing with. And they said that that changed their perspective for that their mother-in-law in this life. And they'd always had a terrible relationship. And she emailed me a couple of weeks later and said, you know, I went to my mother-in-law's the other day. We had dinner. And I think it was the first time in 20 years I didn't feel angry when I went to that house. Are these past lives or are these parallel lives happening in different time zones? I've read, for example, if in a past life, you went through, I don't know, a heartache at 30. In your present life at 30, a part of that 
might be recalled in your soul. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't think I'm wording it correctly, but that the the timeline of when these tragedies occur in past lives tend to project their echoes onto our current life at those same ages. I haven't. I don't. I'm know. across that idea, but that that's a really good idea. There's there's so much to this. It gets so complicated. This idea of reincarnation when you get into it and how different lives can affect each other. Because I've wondered since, you know, in the afterlife, there's there's no time. So your soul is experiencing all of your lives in the same moment. And so I wonder if you do some healing in this life, it can heal one one of your past lives. Somebody three or four hundred years ago suddenly feels a lot better because of something you've done today. Yeah, that's what I've wondered. And then I wonder, like, let's say you're a soul and forever you've just been kind of a misogynist, right? For whatever reason. And you go into a life in this current day and age and you heal one aspect of it, but maybe not all of it. So you get over to the other side and your guides are like, yeah, we need to send you back to the 12th century and see how your misogyny is now (laughs) in that time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if they can just pop us into different time periods to work on certain lessons that maybe wouldn't be relevant today because as a consciousness, as a collective, the world has healed that. I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, cause it just makes me think about this idea of consciousness. And you had a quote on your website that you wrote that I completely resonate with. And I, I just want to read it for listeners and ask you to reflect on it a bit more. You said, I have a fascination with the idea that consciousness is not a product of the physical brain, but exists apart from it. And the brain acts as some kind of receiver of consciousness, perhaps like a radio is the receiver of a radio signal. I completely align with that type of thinking. And I'm just wondering how your work with with regressions has given you deeper insight into where our consciousness is, what it is, and how our brain is you know, I don't know if you've studied filter theory where our brain has to filter what it's receiving. Like we can only hear within a certain frequency. We can only see within a certain limit. Our brain has to filter out everything else that's that's around us, but our consciousness is perceiving all of it. What has past life work taught you about our consciousness? Well, there's one thing I talked to Eben Alexander on my podcast and he had a near-death experience, and he was professor in neurosurgery at Harvard Medical School, and he described the brain as a reducing valve. It's like consciousness is so much more than what we experience in our normal waking state. And it seems also with reincarnation that consciousness just seems to continue when you die, and that when you leave your body, it's just like taking a coat off. But then when you've taken the coat off, your uh, perception is so much better. I talked to a woman and she said that she could see a color of violet that she'd never seen before. And I was wondering if, because she wasn't seeing with her human eyes, that she could see ultraviolet because that's beyond human eyes, but maybe spiritually you could see that. And I, I feel that consciousness does continue and it's always been around. But there's this thing of um, reincarnation that 
perhaps you, Samantha and Denise, and continue in the afterlife, and then your soul will send another say, spark of itself into another life. So the, your soul is experiencing another life, but the person you are stays in eternity and you as your consciousness lasts forever and it's your soul that collects up all these different consciousnesses and has all these different lives and that's its learning thing so it's not that you are reincarnating it's that your soul has lots of sparks i do think there's a just it's a continuum and a spectrum of of existence of consciousness of vibration and frequency that is so vast that I mean, I know that my my brain can't wrap get wrapped around it. I have people that will come in that are very linear, that are very practical, that are very focused, and they'll have these amazing experiences with a past life. I'll also have people come in that are incredibly spiritually attuned. They're very comfortable with this world, and they may go meet their guides or during a regression, they may go to a different realm. Do you ever have that happen, Simon? Sometimes I, I have people who are almost saying, you know what, I don't think it's even going to work. I'm going to give it a try and I really want it to work, but I, I, I don't think it's going to. And then it does and it's really powerful. And then there are, like you say, spiritual people who are really tuned in and they maybe get a very light experience. And it almost seems to me that the spirit guides might be looking at them and thinking, oh yeah, you need a past life regression, so we're going to give you something heavy. But this spiritually attuned person, they're thinking, you know, you're pretty cool. You don't need a past <laughs> life regression. You know, you, you don't need a, a big kick from an awful past life because you're, you're on the right path already. I love that. That's great. This is a question for both of you too. What are some ways those of us who want to get a past life regression can prepare and, and help you do your job. Do you know what I mean? Like when we come to you, what are some things we can do to kind of prime the pump to be more receptive to aggression? Well, I always advise meditation. And if people don't meditate to at least find maybe five minutes every day where they can just calm their mind and then they can send out that request into the universe and, kind of say, hey, spirit guides, I'm doing a regression soon. Will you come and help? And it may be, you know, the spirit guides are around us all the time anyway. They know that you're doing a past life regression. They might have even subconsciously led you on the path to do one. But I, I would always advise to do some meditation to learn that or get to that point where your mind starts to get really calmed down and relax so that going into hypnosis can be a bit easier. And also, I'd, I'd say don't do it straight after a hard day's work where you might have had a, a stressful commute and you get home and you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm so stressed out. That's that's probably not the best place to be. And also to be really physically comfortable is good. If you're sitting in an office chair in front of your laptop, you're not going to be as hypnotizable as if you're in a big comfortable chair and you're lying back and you're nice and cozy. That's a really good point in being comfortable in your environment in order to be able to relax. And because there is a vulnerability with this work and you have to be able to, my personal opinion, you have to feel comfortable enough with the person who's putting you, helping you get to that state to be able to relax and be more receptive. If you come in tense and 
oh, I don't know if this is going to work, it, it can be um, a little bit more difficult. And also during the regression, I ask clients to be detailed in what they're experiencing. Because when I was starting out, I had two or three clients and they go into the past life and I would say, okay, where are you? And they go, outside. <laughs> and you go, oh, what are you wearing? And I go, I'm wearing a dress. And that's all I get back. And it's difficult to work with that stuff. So twice, and this is, I, I can't remember what this is called, but there is a word for this where people can't visualize. They they can't see a picture in their mind. They can't do a guided meditation. And there is a, there's a word that this is actually a thing. How do you work around when someone is having a difficult time? Because one of the processes in the way that I was taught to do it is that you, it may be sensory, you may be claircognizant, you may be clairaudient, you may be getting, so it can, it can come through with however you're most aligned with how you receive from spirit. But then every once in a while, twice now it's happened over the years that I'll get someone who really can't visualize and that holds them up a little bit. How, how have you worked through that if that's happened for you? I think part of the language when you're going through past life regression is to say to them, okay, so what do you see now? Or can you look over there or the houses? Maybe sometimes I'll use, I'll say, so what is it you're experiencing right now? And how do you feel? And I, I did do a regression and this lady was full of detail. And afterwards she told me, you know, I didn't get any images. I just knew this stuff. So if you do have that thing where you, you're not very visual in your, in your imagination, you can still do a past life regression because for some reason you just know stuff. I agree. I just Googled it. It's called aphantasia. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because we had someone email us about that. Remember, Denise? And she yes. Was, I have aphantasia. And then I was like, whoa, I never had heard of that. So I had to Google it because I forgot it too. Okay. Why do you guys think every time I pull up, I don't know, TikTok or an Instagram reel, I mean, clearly my computer knows me a little too well, but I'm always seeing little videos on kids who are remembering their past lives or saying strange things about who their other mommy was in a past life. And I'm wondering, are we just getting more comfortable as a collective talking about this or are more and more kids coming to earth who are remembering this? What do you guys think? Well, I, I'd say it's difficult to tell, isn't it? Because Ian Stevenson was doing his work in the 1960s and he had to go far east to find the children. Maybe it's just that people in the West are learning more about this. The parents are more open to these kinds of things the children say. And they're not just thinking, oh, it's just your imagination. And, oh, aren't they clever? They can make this stuff up. But actually, if they say oh, that, that's my other mum that, that clicks. I think, oh, I've heard about something like this. This might be past life memory. The altruistic part of me, the really, I do believe that the, the world the, and humanity are, and you've heard me say this so many times, so thank you for your patience, is that we're at this transition point and these little people that are coming onto the planet right now are here for that. And we've been preparing, we've been getting it ready. And I wonder if the, and I'm using wonder very purposefully because 
I wonder if they they have that recall because we're shifting the paradigm a little bit with how we're going to move forward as a species on the planet or working together rather than against each other. I mean, that's my my magic wand wish that that's the case. But I do know talking to a lot of parents and a lot of little people that these kids are coming in wide open and and such a connection to spirit and divine and hitting developmental milestones sooner. It's it's fascinating. It's just absolutely fascinating to me. It is. And it's it's hopeful too. Okay. I don't really have a question for you guys so much as kind of something I would just love to discuss. And that's the ethics of doing past life regression. Simon, have you ever had Carol Bowman on your podcast? Yeah, twice. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was a fantastic guest. The second time she was on, she hadn't didn't have a new book out and she was pretty much retired. But she still wanted to talk about this because still passionate and still excited and still wanted to get the word out there, so to speak. Yeah, as she should. So if, if any listeners haven't heard of her, check her out, Carol Bowman. She's focused a lot on children who remember their past lives. And she has a story in one of her, uh, I think it's one of her more recent books, about a child who remembers very clearly being killed in 9-11. He was a firefighter. And his details were so specific that Carol wrote in that book, they know who the family is. And she's keeping all of that anonymous because she thinks it's too painful for that family to say, hey, your heroic firefighter son, he has been reincarnated and he's you know, four years old and living with this family in, I can't remember, Minnesota. What do you guys think about that? Do you mean the question of telling the family? Yeah, like just the ethics of all of this, because um, I mean, I agree with her for keeping that to herself, you know, but I don't know. It's I just I've never forgotten that story because I think about like, what if that family is going to his cemetery every Sunday and you know what I mean? And and they're grieving and they're wondering, is he OK? Is he happy? And. And then what would what would happen? You know, she said she did look at the family and they're very uh, traditional in their religious views. So she was afraid to present this to them. And I, I agree with what I agree with her decision. And I just would love to know what you guys think. It is that thing of does it affect the family negatively? And if they are very religious, they they might just get angry if somebody came and suggested that. I listened to another podcast the other day and there was this young woman whose her friend died like when they were quite young at university and a medium came up to her and said i've got a message for you and the message was something like just keep on partying anna bear and that was the exact last words she heard from her friend and the presenter said to her so how did you feel and she said i was furious I thought, who does this person think they are giving me this information? So I, I think there are people, you know, who just don't have that spiritual kind of gene. They they just don't want to engage with it. And so maybe telling that family about this young boy could be quite negative. But on another point, something I've wondered about is if uh, we're doing past life regressions, if that's interfering, if somebody's come into this life to learn a lesson and then we go in with a past life regression and we help them and we kind of cure them of this 
whatever this thing that's ailing them of the spirit guides sometimes thinking oh man now they've got to live another life why, why did you heal that <laughs> okay but michael newton touches on that in uh journey of the souls either the first or the second one and i think he asked one of his uh clients and they said that the guides will only lead you to the past life that you're supposed to be healing right now or the life in between life review that you're supposed to be aware of now. And that one of the reasons why some people can't be regressed is because they're not, it's, it's not part of their whole plan to do that because they have to work on that issue. So I hope that's true. Yeah. It may be um, if somebody, it's, it's very rare for me. I've found somebody does not go to a past life, but, it's it's a thing where I always say to the client, it maybe it's the spirit guides who just feel that now is not the right time, because you don't want the client to feel that they failed and that it's their fault, because it's not that you go through the same process with every client of taking them to the past life, and so if they don't get there, it's probably something else, and I would imagine it's spirit guides. It's spirit guides rolling their eyes, going, "Here goes Simon again, meddling with our plans." <laughs> Yeah, I'm just a troublemaker. <laughs> to go back to what we were speaking about a minute ago, I think it falls into that same category as far as the woman wanting, not holding that, holding that information back a little bit is what we teach people in our mediumship classes is you don't want to do drive-bys. You don't want to jump someone with, because we don't know how they're going to receive it. And we don't know if they're in an emotional state or if they even want that information. So I think that personal opinion that kind of lines up exactly with what the the woman holding that that information to herself and how in a lot of ways what this work is subjective i have a vision in my mind of two different people that are, are very close to me in my life and one would be all on board oh when this happened i went there and the other one is going to just tip their head like a big labrador retriever and say do we need to get the med cart? Are you okay? So I feel like we really need to be honoring ethically of, of not jumping people with this or with anything else. We've talked about that a lot. As far as the other part, I agree. I think that people will go where they're meant to be. And do we, is that part of the contract that we, when we sign up and say, okay, and when I hit this age, I, I'm going to, let's pop a, a little regression in there for a, a reminder of why I'm on the planet. Yeah. That's so true. Is that part of our soul plan before we even get here? Yeah, because sometimes I think when somebody has a near-death experience, that's part of the plan. Maybe past life regression is a lot lighter version of it. It's like diet, NDE, instead of full <laughs> fat. <laughs> I love that. Okay, I want to also ask about your other podcast, the UFO podcast. Uh, what led you to start that podcast and and what are some of your thoughts on the crazy revelations that are happening in the last few years about ufos well i've i've always been fascinated by ufos and back in about 1993 i saw one real close up and that was a, a, a kind of um football american football not english football shaped object that was just 25 feet off the ground and it was covered in lights I was just 200 feet away from it and it was completely silent and just hovering there. And then maybe 10 years later, I saw another one, which was just a, 
a ball of orange light that was about the size of a car. So I decided I really wanted to uh, do a podcast about it because I'd read so many books. And it's it's fascinating how there can be a crossover between the spiritual or kind of afterlife side and this ETs and UFOs. And particularly with me, when it comes to UFOs, the weirder it is, the more interested I am. So I've got a fascination with this thing they call alien abduction. The people that have those experiences sometimes seem to report when they're abducted, it's them being taken out of their body. So the body stays behind and the ETs take them on somewhere else. And I interviewed a guy the other day called Preston Dennett, who has a book that's 300 cases of aliens healing humans, where there's people who've had their cancer healed or maybe just a cut finger or a broken arm. And he was thinking, what, what, what's the connection here between? Why is, why is it some people who get taken by the ETs never get healed and other people do? And he started to notice that the ones that were getting healed were social workers or doctors or teachers. There were people who were making a really positive contribution. And that, that was fascinating. But somebody else said that they felt when they were healed, it was like the ETs were just maintaining their equipment. Oh. But um, yeah, so I've done over 100 episodes of this UFO podcast. And the, the stuff that's happening today, there was David Grush, who was in Congress, talking about how US uh, military has alien craft and alien bodies. And there was a guy that came out and talked about that decades ago called Bob Lazar, who said he worked at Area 51 and he did back engineering on a flying saucer and its propulsion system. And he goes into quite a lot of detail of how their propulsion system works and how they use element 115 that's bombarded with antimatter to release this energy and these gravity emitters that have gravity waves. And other physicists have looked at what he claimed and they, they kind of say, yeah, you know what, it, it makes sense what he's saying, that would work. And so I, I imagine Bob Lazar looking at David Grush these days and saying, see, I told you so. So we've heard about these stories for a long time, but... There's also that other thing, these uh, films, these videos were released, I think it's 2017, by the Navy, and they were showing UFOs off the West Coast and off the East Coast. Tic-tac. And it was, yeah, and it's like the, this official body, this really big authority in the US is saying, look, the UFOs are real. And you'd think that would be the, the headline news around the world saying they've confirmed UFOs are real, but it just kind of, you know, didn't go that far. And it's almost like everybody saw it and thought, yeah, well, we knew that anyway. So what's the big deal? Simon, you just hit on the one thing that is completely fascinating and overwhelming me is how finally the government is coming out and they're starting soft disclosure and everyone's like, yeah, what's for dinner? Like, it's the strangest thing to me. Bob Lazar, who you mentioned, when he first came out to George Knapp, they obliterated him from the records. Remember, like, MIT said there was no record of him being there, even though I think someone found his photo in, in a classroom or a yearbook or something. I mean, the government wiped him clean. And he kept saying they had this element that hadn't been discovered. And then what, 20 years later, it's discovered? Nobody mentions that. Hey, this guy, Bob Lazar, said we had knowledge of this element years ago, and now we have officially 
you know, figured out a way to create it and discover it. I don't know. I don't understand why we are overlooking all of this news and these whistleblowers that are coming out. Even David Grush, they're they're dragging him through the mud and bringing out all sorts of skeletons in his closet. I talked to somebody about Bob Lazar recently on the podcast, and they were saying, you know, when when you get that kind of job, they assign someone to you, and that is their job. Is if something goes crazy, then they just erase you, and they find out all the dirt so that they can discredit you. That's one of the ways they kind of keep the secret. You just don't know what is, you know, what is the motive? Are they even telling us the truth about what's out there now? And and why now? Why come forward with all of this now? When you were talking about uh, the man who researched all of the abductions and how he heals, you know, how they heal some people and not others. And it's, you know, some people are saying it's very altruistic, but that other person said, we're like their cars that they're bringing into a mechanic to be fixed. That that's chilling, you know, cause that's kind of, I don't know. I don't know if they're friendly or not. I tend to think that you can't classify all off planet beings as friendly or unfriendly the same way. You can't say all Americans. Yeah. They're a little loud, but they're super nice and fun. Like you can't say that because it's not true of every American. And you can't say, oh, those English, they're so proper because not everyone is. So it might be a mixed bag. I don't know. But I keep going back to what I think it was Charles Fort who said, we are property. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound very nice, does it? No. I, I, I wonder if the, the ETs are, are very much aware of um, reincarnation and the spiritual side of the human race. And in a way that that's why they're not interested in talking to us is they could be just saying, well, we don't want to interfere with this school. All these spirits, all these souls have got stuff to learn just like we do. And so that there's two levels to it. There may be the physical level of whatever they're doing. And then there's the soulful level. There was one healing in that book. This guy was talking about, and this person had been in a car crash and they healed everything about this person's body but not the leg which was quite badly messed up and he was saying why didn't you do my leg and the ets say well that's that damaged your legs part of your life plan it's karmic and we, we don't want to mess with that doesn't logically doesn't it make sense that i mean this is maybe i watch too much star trek i don't know but doesn't it make sense that there would be so much more out there because the the universe is just endless and vast how could we think that we're it. That just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, I heard years and years and years ago that someone had said that Earth was um, an experiment, like they, they did this whole thing and they said every blue planet in the universe is an experimental planet. And that's why the uh, the other terrestrials will observe and not interact is because it's an experiment and they don't want to interfere. Whether there's validity or not, who knows? But it's something fun to think about. Yeah. I just wonder if there are human beings exactly like us on other planets. And also, I wonder about the ETs that people talk about seeing when they're abducted. They have two arms and two legs and a head just like us. And so how is it, you know, if they're supposed to evolved on another planet, how come they're so similar to us? Because there's all sorts of descriptions of aliens, whether the greys or the 
the Nordics or reptilians and the tall whites and all these different names of all these different ETs, but they're all humanoid. Well, I mean, it did say we were created in, in God's image. So maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. It's just mind blowing when you try to wrap your head around it. I always think about maybe the reason why they can't really come and talk to us and tell us their plans, their agenda, whatever, is because it'd be like uh, trying to talk to a fish and tell them what a tree is, right? Or, or a more practical example, I can't sit down with a first grader and say, hey, Jimmy, what are your theories on consciousness? You know, like they're just not going to, they're not going to understand. So maybe it's just that we aren't ready to hear exactly what it's all about. It goes back to what you mentioned earlier, Samantha, about it being multi-dimensions and realms and that they're just kind of popping down on the elevator and saying, oh, let's take a peek on this floor and see what's going on. And and I think this frustrates some really spiritual people in that we really don't, we can't know. And that's what I love about it because it's, I don't think we're meant to know everything and we have to be here and present and learn and grow and evolve and peek behind different curtains. But maybe we're just not meant to know until we leave how vast it really is. Yeah. It seems so complicated. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I, I talked to, um, this guy recently on the podcast called David Gaggin, and he's written this book and it's related to what Seth has said and also the Michael entity mm-hmm. uh, talking about cycles, grand cycles and how you're a spark and then you grow and then the spirit and the soul is part of the spirit. And then there's cadres and all these different levels and the seven different levels. And one of them is Akashic and you, you don't exist in the Akashic level. That's a record-keeping place. But there's the astral and there's the messianic level, the Budaic level. And then eventually we all go back to the Tao. And, the, you know, and it's just all this other kind of, I don't know, you might call reincarnation theory that you have to learn. Okay, I'll probably cut this out, but <laughs> I just need to share this with you guys and get your opinion. So I think about that all the time, how we've been on this planet for millennia, 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 and we're reincarnating and we're evolving and we're growing. And in each lifetime, we're supposed to learn and and evolve. And then yesterday I see in the news that a woman was on a plane and the flight attendant told her, you cannot use the bathroom right now because there's turbulence. And so she just took her pants down and peed in the aisle. And oh I look goodness. at Yes. And I look at news stories like that and I think, okay, are we reincarnating? Are we evolving? Are we growing? Because like, how does stuff like that happen? Do you do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, how do we have people who don't know you're 40 years old, you've got to hold it and wait till you could use the bathroom? <laughs> Beyond I was, me. <laughs> I always wonder if they're young souls. That That's how I'd view it, I think. It's, uh, you know, you can't be sure, but I feel that sometimes the people who are prejudiced and selfish and arrogant are young souls. Because if you're an old soul, you've experienced what it's like to be on the bad end of those things, to, to have be treated so badly and to, you know, be things stolen from you and sitting in an aeroplane watching a woman doing a pee and you, you've learn that all these things are terrible. So you, you, as an old soul, you don't do any of those things, but the younger souls, 
they've they've never lived as a woman or they've never lived as a black person so they they have prejudices or or they're you know uh, male chauvinistic that's what i always come back to is they must be little baby souls and they just don't know better and we need to have compassion and re- and respect for them but there is always that human side of me that sees those those crazy news stories it's always in airplanes there was one just a couple of weeks ago of a woman who was waiting in line to get on the plane and she was wearing a t-shirt and nothing else did you guys see that one no <laughs> I, <laughs> no undies and i was just like what's happening to this world and then i think about the spiritual side of it and and you're absolutely right simon they're just they're just brand new souls it's a it's a a viewpoint where I think you have the physical earthbound viewpoint and then you have the soulful viewpoint and they, they don't always meet up, do they? It's, it's a different point every time. Yeah, that is so true. It, just one last thing is that I'm developing a, a course right now on uh, mediumship and genealogy, and it's going to be next year. And I have kind of gone down the rabbit hole with looking at familial traits and do we go back to those past lives to with the same soul group with the same people and part of this program going to offer is, is there will be regressions involved with it do you see a lot of um continuity isn't the word but that the soul group aspect that people come back and learn those lessons as a little pack because often I, i've had regressions where people recognize no one and they're really they're there by themselves or like, oh, that's my daughter. She's not really my daughter, but I know she's my daughter. And they'll, so there seems to be a real divide between what people experience with that. Have you seen a, a similar aspect in your work? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Sometimes people will just say it spontaneously. And other times I'll say, if you pay attention to that person, do you recognize them? And sometimes they say, yes, I, I know who that is. And other times they don't recognize them. And so it comes back to that thing. Is is it a thing where they're supposed to recognize them? Or is the spirit guide kind of cutting off that because it's not needed right now? Occasionally I'll have people in a past life scene and they'll be with their family. And they'll say, I can see the children. And I know the husband's in the room, but I'm just getting a like the idea of him. I don't actually see him. So I'm thinking the spirit guides think, oh, well, the husband's not important in this life, so we're not going to show him to you because it's the children that is the focus. Interesting. Well, what about, have you guys ever experienced, like there's someone, this happens to me a lot with my sister, and it's just happened with someone I met this year where like, if I look at them, I'll sometimes have like a flash of a of a different house and a different time. Do you guys ever get that? Like with my sister, I know we were traveling healers in a past life. And sometimes we'll be talking, you know, like when you're talking to someone, it could be about anything. What are you cooking for Thanksgiving? What, you know, have you finished your Christmas shopping? But if I look deep into her eyes, I have this like weird distant memory of us walking across this, like uh, the, the moors, to be honest with you, it is what it always feels like to me. And and we're just going town to town to town. Have you guys ever had that with people in your lives where when you're talking to them, you get a recurring picture or image? Yes. Yeah, I had that happen with my ex-husband when we lived in, in Oregon. And we were walking up this trail and it was like a millisecond of 
being in uh, like me walking behind him on this trail. And it was a millisecond flash that was so vivid of being on the Savannah in, in Africa. And it was clear as you and I are talking right now. It's, it's a fun thing, isn't it? It is fun. It's just something I feel nervous to voice out loud. You know, because it does sound a little strange, but so it thanks. sounds a little wing nut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All this stuff sounds strange, though, doesn't it? It I'm, does. <laughs> I'm out uh, gigging in a band every Friday and Saturday, and we've been doing it for weeks. And I haven't talked at all about my podcasts and what they're about. And I just get the impression they're just not interested. And so just don't bring up the subject. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know who you can talk to about this and who you can't, right? Almost instinctually. Don't you think that having that balance between whether it's, you know, out walking your dogs or gigging in a band or working out at the gym or whatever it is that gets you back in your physical body is so important if we're going to do this kind of work? Yeah. And a friend of mine asked me if I'd seen this new UFO documentary on Netflix. And I said to him, I, I just can't watch them. It's just like being at work for me when I watch that. <laughs> yes. Okay, but have you guys ever been out somewhere? Like I was at a wedding this past spring and I was the plus one. So I didn't know anyone at the wedding. And I'm at this table and one of the guys who I just met like 10 minutes before was like, have you guys been seeing all this whistleblower stuff about the UAPs? Guys, I had to just like seriously bite my tongue because I wanted to just stand up and like <laughs> clink my glass and go, class is going to begin now. We're going to start in the <laughs> with the Roswell crash. <laughs> I wanted to just tell them everything I knew about UFOs, but I just kind of nodded and, and kept eating my salad. So sometimes you do have to know when to, when to rein it in. But the other thing I wanted to ask you guys, when you were traveling and you know everyone has talked about those things like oh i was at versailles and i knew i'd lived there before when i was in uh at the yukon when i was in college at yukon i took a wonderful class called the history of the family and we would go on field trips every month we'd visit different cemeteries and one time she took us to old sturbridge village in massachusetts i've never felt such a sense of homecoming before it was so profound that I started to drive there on the weekends and I would just sit in that little village and do my, all my studying and my reading for school. Now I love history and I love that time period. So could that just be, Oh, Samantha, you enjoy being in that quiet little historic village, or could it be a memory from a past life? I, I guess what I'm asking is every time we resonate with a place, is that an echo of a past life or is that just in alignment with our aesthetic and what we enjoy in this life. I suppose it could be both. I, I think that maybe you had a past life in a place that was very similar to that. And uh, it reminds you of that in some way and gives you some comfort, but it might be the other thing you say. It's so hard to tell, isn't it? It is, but, but it's fascinating to think about. It yeah. is because is it the familiarity of the time of the culture of the clothing of the smells of the sounds or is there an energetic resonance with that land that is bringing you back to that is there a, a, a like a magnetic connection between your physical body and a specific place on the earth mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys experienced that where you just feel so comfortable in an area? Yes. Or you'll know where to go, even though you've never been there before. I, I haven't had that. <laughs> you guys are having all these experiences. I'm not having these ones. Well, I've only seen one UFO and <laughs> even that I kind of doubted at the time. It was the one that was uh, seen over White Plains, New York. And that I didn't believe it at the time, even though we all pulled over on the side of the highway and it, you know, it made the papers the next day. It just looked like planes flying in a kite or baseball diamond outline to me. But I have not had those experiences like you've had of seeing it so up close. So I think I, I think we all have these fascinating experiences. You know, it reminds me of when I was a kid, my dad and I used to walk the beach all the time. And I always had my head down because I love to collect seashells. And my dad would always say to me, look up, Samantha, look up. Everything is around you when you look up. And I, I think that's good advice for everything. You know, like, don't don't look down at your phone. Don't look down at the ground. Don't look, don't look down at your own feet. Look up, look around you at this beautiful, mystical, magical world we live in. And, you know, maybe don't be so shy and scared to share some of your <laughs> weird woo-woo thoughts and mystical experiences, because I think... I think most of us have them. And, and that's why I love doing shows like this, because I hope it gives people, I don't know if permission is the right word. I know I feel like sometimes I need permission. Like if we weren't talking right now under the guise of Enlightened Empaths podcast, and we were just, I don't know, broadcasting this under Terry Gross's Fresh Air podcast, I, there's no way I would be talking about this. And yet I think we all should, and we should feel more free to share these experiences because it is a magical world we live in. Yeah. And it, it's a thing where it's almost like many decades ago, scientists were made the gatekeepers of what is real. And if science says something's not real, then it just isn't and you can ignore it. And anybody who talks about it is a bit crazy. So don't talk about that stuff. You know, the CIA recently released stuff. Uh, I think you can find it on the blackvault.com. But they actually put together when all the UFO stuff was going on and uh, right before Project Blue Book, I can't remember the name of it. What did we used to call people who believed in uh, UFOs? I think it starts with an H. Anyway, whatever that name was, but they would uh, kook. I think it was Project Kook, something like that, where in, in the whole premise of the project was to infiltrate all these different areas, such as movies and TV shows, but also UFO groups, and start to make anyone who believed in this look kooky. And that was an actual, legit, government-backed, paid program. Yeah, because I think just after the Second World War, when flying saucers were in the news, it was taken quite seriously. And then suddenly it switched, and it was the, the comedy thing at the end of the news where they'd have some funny music and talk about the ufo exactly yeah and we still have the um x-files music that plays half the time even after you know leslie Keene's book and on all the the new york times articles even after that we still have all of that where we're made to feel kind of silly i wonder if it's the older guys now that are moving on they're retiring and the younger people are coming through in the pentagon or wherever the u.s navy and they're the ones that are releasing the ufo videos and 
talking about the crashed vehicles because the guys that were in that job for three decades gone now and the younger ones are there. Yeah, I think you're right because it is definitely switching, which I love. This has been so fun. I feel like we're just three friends sitting around a table talking about all the stuff I always want to talk about. Thank you so much, Simon. And please, everyone, if you've enjoyed this show, please check him out, the Past Lives podcast and the UFO podcast. Any other ways people can find you and connect with you? Um, My website is pastlifeshypnosis.co.uk. And on there, it's all about the past life regression and there's a link to my podcast site and also use the link to my booking page. And people can book a free consultation with me through Zoom to talk about doing a past life regression. Yeah, and that's important to mention. You're in England, but people can consult and contact and schedule a regression and do a regression with you from anywhere around the world because you do them over Zoom, correct? Yeah, that's right. And they work really well. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I think it's great because people are in their own home. And like Denise was saying, you want to be in a comfortable environment when you do a regression. What's more comfortable than your own home? Yeah. If you go into an office of a hypnotherapist and some guy you've never met before, and he's saying, right, now sit in the chair, close your eyes and do what I say. It's not the most relaxing place to be. No, definitely not. So I'll post the links to your podcast and your website in our show notes. So if you're listening, you can just scroll down to the episode notes and find all of that information. Thank you so much, Simon. Really have enjoyed this hour with you. Yeah, it's been great. Doesn't seem like it's been an hour. It does it. It flew by. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.